You are listening to the JCN Clinic Podcast. The JCN Clinic Podcast is a place where nutritionalists Jessica Cox and Carissa Mason get real about nutrition and living a healthy life. They share with you their passion and their clinical knowledge for a fun, no BS approach to looking after yourself. Please enjoy today's episode and don't forget to subscribe and iTunes. Hello once again and welcome to the JCN Clinic Podcast Show. Welcome. I'm Jessica. (laughs) I'm Carissa. And today we're doing a special episode where we have thrown the ball in your court and asked you guys over the last Hmm. week, maybe four or five days, uh, about any questions that you have in particular. So we wanted to open the doors and say, hey, what do you want to talk about? What do you have questions about? Yeah. So essentially, we've got a whole list of questions yes. from you guys. Um, it's pretty interesting seeing what you want to know, and it's probably also opened up some extra ideas for us for further shows. So um, yeah, there's a few extra things we will mention that we'll basically be delving into deeper. So we thought we would just jump on in and we'll go tit for tat. Tit for tat. (laughs) (laughs) On these questions. We may end up having to do an extra podcast as well. We're going to see how we Mm -hmm. go, but we actually have two pages pretty much of questions, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. And some Mm -hmm. of them are a bit meatier than others. Yeah. And some of them may actually be a podcast all on their own. Um, yeah. 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 So we'll just see how we go. Um, and we're also not going to use names of people who have sent the questions in because we didn't really ask if people wanted no. to rem- remain anonymous yeah. or not. So we've kind of just thought we just won't use names. Yeah. But you hopefully know who you are when yeah. we read them out and go, that's my question. That's my question. They answered it. <laughs> Do you want to go first Let's cab off the rank? First cab off the rank. It was actually an email question that came through um, from a gentleman who is a 50-year-old man male and he obviously works he said he works long hours and he does lots of heavy lifting so obviously quite a physical job and he just wants to know tips for overall sustained energy throughout the day so we're just gonna like share answering this like i'll start and you'll all right so i think yeah that worked well yeah well done team i thought we had done a podcast on this but i don't think we have i think i talked about mm. doing a podcast on this, like yeah. all about talking about guys and nutrition for yeah. for males. Yeah, maybe for, we should like do... trade. Remember, we we're talking about doing something for tradies. I think we covered tradies, but on... did we do it? I don't know. <laughs> I'm just looking, scrolling through going, did we do that? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we maybe covered, I don't know if we covered it in our macros one though, because I remember us talking about tradie diets and stuff, Um, but I just can't remember if that was. Oh, maybe it was the weight gain one. Oh, maybe it was. No, weight loss and weight gain maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Yeah. So I think definitely first and foremost, sustained energy is about proper fueling. So depending on the type of, depending on the type of job, but let's just say, for example, the gentleman that's put popped this one in um is looking i'm guessing his job's quite physical right so he's yep. not he's not sitting in an office or a desk mm. or anything like that so <laughs> he's just doing weights all day, doing weights he all day. Healthy. <laughs> <laughs> he's heavy lifting he's like typing a, with a dumbbell is, the is your heavy lifting a pen <laughs> <laughs> a beer no 
Okay, so let's just assume that his job's quite physical. <laughs> He's probably a tradie or something, maybe working in a warehouse or something along those lines. So I definitely think we would start with macros, yeah? Like, yeah. So just making sure that, A, you're having breakfast and lunch and mm-hmm. probably snacks in between, but also looking at definitely probably the amounts and types of carbohydrates that, yeah. that he would be having. So... We've done an entire podcast on macronutrients, so mm-hmm. I definitely suggest listening to that one. But I think that would be first and foremost. Definitely. Um, maybe, yeah, definitely like breakfast has to be has to be there mm-hmm. um, and, def- and definitely lunch and snacks, 100%. Yep. If he's doing all that, because I think in the email he did say he's tried a few different things and it's mm. not working. So mm. I would be like, A, do you actually need to talk to someone to make sure your macro needs are matching your energy mm-hmm. requirements? Because sometimes it is a matter of, yeah, you might be getting the balance. Like, well, you might think you'll be get, you're getting the balance of proteins and carbs, complex carbs, pretty right. But maybe you need more carbohydrates than mm-hmm. you actually think you do. Um, maybe you're not getting the right types of complex carbohydrates for you. Um, maybe you're not eating at the right times. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that would be the first things I would look at. If all of those have been covered and you've had someone go over that and you're quietly or fairly confident that you are hitting those macro targets and you're still feeling really depleted throughout the day, I, that's when I'd probably start digging deeper. Like, mm-hmm. are there other underlying conditions or mm-hmm. inflammatory things going on? So the first thing I would probably do is some bloods mm-hmm. and actually just check, like, the basic nutrients for energy. So we would look mm-hmm. at iron and iron stores. I'd probably look at B12 as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd probably have a good think about gut health. Um, are you absorbing a lot of these nutrients? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and then beyond that, probably start looking maybe at thyroid health. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's awesome. Thanks, <laughs> Jess. them all. <laughs> that's why you hired me years ago. <laughs> the, only, the only other thing I was thinking, I'm not sure if you just said it and I vagued out on it. But <laughs> so possible. I started looking at the spirally things on the I know, desk. I'm just kidding. We've got some, anyway, for anyone, no, no one can clearly see the office, but for anyone who follows us on Instagram, you would know what Emma's birthday room looks like. <laughs> um, so Jess and I are actually just still sitting in that basking in the rainbow vomit of colour. Yeah. And um, I'm just pushing sparklers, or, or sparkles <laughs> around on the desk and flicking them at Jess while we're talking. <laughs> But I was just thinking um, all everything you said, but the environmental side of things, like mm. if he's working those really physical um, long hours in a warehouse or something like mm. that, is he like, is he sweating heaps? Our electrolytes would be huge. Yeah, yeah. yeah so true. I'm just wondering about if he may have like electrolyte imbalances yeah. or if there's, yeah, if there's some sort of environmental factor that yeah. could be at play because that's often something that I see even – some of, oh, I can't remember who it was, but mm. I feel like it was recently one of maybe Damien's mates was talking about their sort of struggle and um, mm. with energy and just like, oh, I just drink like litres and litres and litres of water all day and so I'm common. so exhausted and they're, you know, working out in the heat. And you could just, from the way he was speaking, it was just like, yeah, you're obviously getting really, yeah. really depleted from an electrolyte point of view. And he's like, yeah, the sweat just pours off me yeah, and I feel so like true. I can't get enough water. Which is a common thing people will say when they're out of balance. Electrolytes are a game changer. Oh, like yeah. I'm an electrolyte junkie. Like I honestly <laughs> am. Because like, and I think we've talked about this. Like just exercising every day and sweating. Mm. Like 
uh, electrolytes are a game changer yeah. for me. Like I would say I definitely have a like yeah. hydrolyte or something thereabouts every yeah. day or second day because yeah, right. I just cannot keep and I'm the same like if I do it if I go for like a week without them mm. sweating at the rate I sweat mm. when I'm exercising and stuff especially in summer mm. yeah like I just notice there's nothing that will fix my energy and then I have like yeah. a hydrolyte I'm like boom back in yeah. the game so, <laughs> but it is they're a game changer so so true yeah. actually when I was first starting my studies um at Endeavour I was um, working in the health food store and I was in this stage where I was running heaps. Like I was, I don't think I did anything else but running. I was just like addicted to it. And I was probably running the furthest and longest mm. distances I'd, I'd done. So I'd go out on these epic long runs and then like do that first thing in the How morning. How would you run? I'd be out there for like an hour or an hour and a half. Just running constantly. Just running constantly. Oh, my God. Yeah. You've got good legs yeah, for running. Just, Jess has got these <laughs> amazing long legs. Like she's built for long distance running. Well, I'm I... just like, my little stumps will not carry me that far. <laughs> <laughs> I'm built for, like, you know, speed. Like these short, quick distances. You're built for distance. <laughs> I, like, grew up, like, right. I was into cross country yeah, running and my dad, I'd go running with my dad. But anyway, um, like I'd go for these big runs and then I'd come into the shop and I like I would have had breakfast and ticked all of those boxes, but I'd like be standing in at the like till and it'd be like maybe an hour or so later and I'd just feel this just dropping in energy, mm. just yeah, brain fogginess almost and also so thirsty. I'd be like mm. guzzling all this water and I just didn't realise at that point that I just had not replenish with mm. those electrolytes. I was like, oh, I've eaten and I've done this and yep. just didn't understand. But anyway. It's so true. It is. Mm. It is. It's a, they're a game changer for me. Yeah. Electrolytes. Yeah. And, it, and I think too, like you, it's like you, should, you can do it naturally. Like coconut water is a beautiful yeah. Yeah. natural electrolyte. Um, mm. But I think it, you really kind of have to assess the type of work you're doing. And if you're, if you're out there sweating, yeah. like training or working, like, yeah stay on top of that one yeah definitely good addition jess yeah thanks for adding that in yeah we look we're, we're nearly 10 minutes in and we've done one, <laughs> one question. question this, this is, is going to be a two-part part podcast <laughs> <laughs> all right oh. next what have we got so we've got someone asking our thoughts on a low histamine diet and what's that say? oh can it be nourishing and sustainable, sustainable. Whoa, it's a big question big too question. isn't it maybe one that we need to do a podcast I'm probably on should. yeah look we we use a, um, a histamine um, or a low histamine diet, um, not so much high histamine diet. <laughs> <laughs> We've got the answer, have all these histamines. So we do use low histamine diets in clinic. Um, generally, if people are presenting with classic symptoms that we might see, or a lot of the time I find people come in and they're like, oh, I can't handle histamines, they tend to know, mm -hmm. but... Um, symptom wise, we might be looking for a lot of skin based reactivity, um, people having gut issues, but finding that they get a lot of, um, aggravation also on mm. the externals in regards to, and when I say skin, I mean things like itchiness, like hives, hives. aggravating symptoms mm. like that. So it's that actual classic histamine response. Mm. It's not so much, um, when I say skin things like, um, like or yeah. psoriasis yeah. or something like it's that. It's almost like allergies. Think, yeah, think exactly. Like, like, almost like yeah, inflammatory yeah. Allergic, allergic reactions. Yeah, and yeah. they may have a lot of um, like sinus aggravation mm. and respiratory aggravation as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, and, and often I find with 
histamine reactivity, it's very systemic. Like uh, there's a lot of generally as always, it tends to come from the gut, but it's, mm. it tends to be people with more chronic health conditions. So they tend to mm. also present with a lot of joint inflammation, um, a lot of like fatigue as well. So I think for people to start to get to the point of reacting to histamines, there's a lot of gut permeability going on. Yep. It's not just a, yep. a just basic microbial imbalance from maybe some gastro you've picked yeah. up. It's actually been something's been quite long standing yeah. and we're starting to get like increased um, immune activation yeah. happening. And it's just basically an overload. It, it, it yeah. is in the gut, but yeah. for everyone who's not that familiar with like histamine or histamine intolerance, so it's when there's like we endogenously produce a lot of yeah. histamine as a byproduct, but we obviously then consume histamine mm-hmm in you know in foods and there are higher histamine foods so we've got things like you know obviously your aged foods and Mm -hmm. processed foods tinned foods all of that so they're kind of like your first line but then there's actually like a lot of whole foods like citruses and stuff Mm -hmm. like that that also have a histamine content Mm -hmm. so what we're looking at with histamine intolerance is or people that struggle with histamine foods is the body just can't break down and like almost degrade the amount Mm -hmm. of histamine that Mm -hmm. is a being produced by gut bacteria and it's usually in a dysbiotic gut where Mm -hmm. we've got this crazy excess amount of histamine being produced Mm. then you throw a a histamine food load on top Mm. of that and our our enzymatic capacity to deal with that is just not quick enough and then we obviously have like variations on genes as well that Mm -hmm. break down histamine so a doa enzyme DAO. i always get it confused yeah yeah. yeah so there's there's a few other things that happen there um do we think it's nourishing and sustainable I think it's nothing yeah. you want to be on too long term. It's, it's like any can. of the restricted diets, isn't it? Like yeah. it's not ideal long term. Mm. It's probably not as restrictive as some of the other diets. I yeah. think the thing that I highly love getting back into people's diets um, from a histamine point of view would be, this, as you just said, the citrus yeah. and yeah. also the ferments as well. Yeah. So people can't generally handle any form of ferments and they're – they're a great food that we want to get back into people's diets and but they're often they kind of cross a few categories like mm. where we might pull those out when working on someone's gut but from a prebiotic point of view there's some mm. foods there that people tend to miss out on and and everyone's different too right everyone's like you so might different. get someone that just can't handle those really high-end ones like you just mentioned yeah, like the processed meats and so and... forth but yeah and it's it's so varied and I know we see that all the time like yeah. well, one person's just like yep can eat this but can't eat that so I think you know, I in when you're sort of saying, can it be nourishing and sustainable? Like, like you could live on that type of diet. I don't think it would be as depleting as other types. Like mm. Trying to live on a low FODMAP diet, for yep. instance. Yeah. But you don't really want to live on a diet like that because it's a sign that you're you're actually um, out of balance. Yeah. So as Chris was saying, there's probably going to be some form of microbial imbalance or of course gut inflammation Mm. that's at the core of that so you want to treat that because the problem is then it may lead through to other issues yeah yeah i think we've answered that i think we've answered that yes Uh, (laughs) so next question is um tips for emotional eating so it's an easy one because you get to do the refers oh do i (laughs) (laughs) i was gonna say this this one's epic but we have covered this in um other in other podcasts so you wrote the podcast episode yeah down. i did yeah so episode 24 is the healthy body healthy mind we chatted about that there was a couple of us on 
that podcast from memory and we talked about that. I think so. Um, you're just going to go and have <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just check. And episode 19, the importance of mindset and emotional barriers to sustainable change. So I think that's going to be a beauty to listen to yeah. with that one. Obviously, there's so much with emotional eating. Like, obviously, there's so much we can do from a macronutrient balance point of view mm. and really trying to stop any of the like physiological triggers for mm. it um, in terms of cravings and things like that. But there's such a huge psycholo- psychological component with emotional mm. eating as well. So yeah. yeah, yeah, they're biggies. Like go honestly, go listen to those because we've covered those. Yeah. Um, so many factors in those two mm. podcasts. Also at the moment on the JCN community Facebook page, there's a real um, emphasis and push around emotional eating mm. um, because we're, we're putting a lot of focus on self-care. Mm. Um, so that is very much tied back into food and what you choose to eat, not just about like the physicality of a mm. meal, but why you're eating, like any yeah. emotional um, issues or self-sabotaging mm. issues. So yeah. it's a good space to be for that. So I also recommend if you need some advice around that, definitely go and join up on the Facebook page yeah. community for the JCN clinic. And there's also, you did a really good blog post on ages ago. Remember did it I? was, um, <laughs> you're like, did I, did I write that? <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> I just got to remember. It's something about, um, um, self-sabotaging. Like, oh, I did too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. See, it was a really good one. Yeah. Like, yeah, I did. I did um, a really good blog post on yeah. that. Did you know? <laughs> <laughs> we will link all of this stuff in the show notes yeah. too guys so yeah. yeah you'll be able to go and find the link to that, <laughs> that blog post <laughs> no I did you did <laughs> so we've got a lot of data I love how information you out there you're like oh yeah that's right I did su- we've talked I about am- my memory before it's my bad. memory's terrible at the moment but <laughs> not that bad <laughs> alright so yeah we'll put lots of information up for you on that the next one speaking of the blog um, is debunking soy so I'm not sure the complete question of this one because it's just written debunk soy yeah, so, well, <laughs> did, did I you just get that in a message debunk soy no, thanks <laughs> it was more about I think is it like healthy not healthy um, but also why obviously when this person consumes it it makes them feel really bloated so it must do something uh, to their gut so okay I, I think we've obviously covered soy a lot just as pulling up a good blog post on that one yeah yeah, yeah yeah I've is. got two which I'll link in there's yeah. a really old one they're on recipes there's one on the scrambled tofu yep um and then there's an updated one on the sticky ginger tamari tofu and eggplant so I guess that sort of kind of answers mm. the question on how we feel about soy or how <laughs> I feel about it hey it's on the blog um but essentially yeah I think as you're just alluding to like I always say with soy that there's there's two different factors there's the there's a lot of the myth and um, mm. or a lot of the fears around how soy acts in the body and then there's food intolerances. There's, yeah, exactly. So I think maybe with what this person was talking about, if they're eating soy um, and they're getting actual gut-based reactions, um, then that's, that's a different type of reaction. That's mm. actually your body um, or your immunoglobulins having seeing that protein in the soy and going we don't like you you suck mm. we're going to react and make you feel like crap yeah in a very yeah. basic yeah, way yeah, right exactly yeah <laughs> so then it's working out if that if soy is actually a food you are genuinely having issues with or if mm-hmm. it's just because you've got maybe a dysbiotic or a you know, gut issue, is mm-hmm. it just problematic? Because soy is a legume. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, do, it does that does pose its own yeah. um, host of issues in a problematic gut. Yeah. Um, so sometimes people, you clean your gut up and soy and soy or soy products, um, yeah. like your tofu, tempeh, whole soy, miso, like 
edamame beans, like yeah. they are fine for the person. Mm. Sometimes you clean the gut up and they're just still not. Yeah. So, for example, Jess, fine with soy, Carissa pretty much has an anaphylactic reaction. No matter how many times she tries to push this. <laughs> she I, does try to push it. You know, all the time. I'm even, I'm even like, I think I've given myself enough of a window now since my last reaction that I'm actually <laughs> contemplating trying again. <laughs> it's just, I just shouldn't. Like, I... And like, the, surely I'd be fine. Yeah, me and soy guys do not get along. Like, even if I have tamari, I get little blisters on my lips. Mm. Does not agree with me. Tofu, tempeh, pretty much a full-blown histamine reaction. Mm. Hey, yep, like, just yep. full-on, like, but I'm I'm ready to try it again. <laughs> let's see if I Maybe can, it's gone away. My, let's see if my throat will actually close over this <laughs> My tongue will swell up and I can't talk. I need to get some EpiPens in here first <laughs> before too. I do that. <laughs> it's like I just have, like, my goldfish memory. Like, once that the terror goes, I'm like, okay, I'm ready. Let's do this again. <laughs> So there's that and then there's actually what Jess was saying, like soy, the whole myth around, you know, soy creating like yeast, like being bad for you because it has estrogenic effects. Mm-hmm. Look, I think this is probably going to be covered in Jess's blog post, but in a mm-hmm. nutshell, if you tolerate soy and it's not, it doesn't create a reaction for you like it does for me mm-hmm. yeah. and you're actually fine eating it, um, soy in my opinion, is actually good. Yeah, there's so, a lot of as long as you're choosing good quality products. And the good thing about these blog posts um, is there's a lot of references you can go and read from a yeah. research point of view. So there's and a lot of the even more current research that just continues to come through is showing that soy is, which was shown ages ago, ages ago, is more of a modulator. Yeah, yeah so yeah. Um, it tends to modulate estrogen production and very, very, very weakly. I yeah. feel like we've joked about this before, as opposed to like you know your plastic container in the microwave, as mm. far as xenoestrogens mm. go. But you know, it is it's a very, very weak modulator. But as a modulator, generally, it's going to maybe have well, not maybe depends on what's going on in your body, as mm. I say maybe, but encourage estrogen if it's low to potentially pick up a little bit mm-hmm. and then conversely if it's, it's a little high it's going to actually push it yeah. down but the other major thing is that we have different types of estrogen metabolites in our body and some that we can sort of label as more beneficial and some that are more detrimental and soy is being shown to actually preferentially push your um better types of estrogen from the more detrimental pathway down the more favorable pathway of estrogen metabolites and all of those sort of in inverted commas bad metabolites of estrogen um, are the ones that are associated more with the different types of breast cancers and ovarian cancers and so forth so it actually again from a modulating point of view is pushing production in Mm. um, of those estrogen metabolites down those more favorable pathways so there's actually I feel like I'm saying actually a lot, but there's a a lot of great things that soy actually does. And the thing is when you look at the research, it's quite ironic because there's so much fear mongering around soy that it's bad. It pushes your estrogen up. And when you delve and look at the research, there's so much there Mm. that says contrary to that uh, and a lot of, of, of positive outcomes. The only other time I think that we might deviate from using a lot of soy in someone's diet is if they have a lot of thyroid issues because soy can act as we call it a goitrogen it can kind of essentially block the iodine binding to the thyroid and and um interfering with hormone production 
I'm being distracted because Chris is building stars on the desk with the, anyway. I'm listening to you, but I'm just like, oh, let me oh, make, make a little pretty pun. <laughs> oh, that's so, pretty. Yes, from a thyroid oh, point of view, if we're having a client that's got a lot of underactivity with their thyroid, we might pull away from how much soy we have in mm. someone's diet. But I still, again, wouldn't be like, no, you can't I have, have any. Soy, yeah. I would nah. probably not be encouraging them to have tofu on a daily basis mm. or, um, yeah, drinking um, soy milk or whatever it may be. Yeah. So majority of people out there are going to be fine with soy as part of a balanced whole food diet. And I actually – would encourage that for, yep. for majority of people. I think unless it's a fantastic food. Except for Carissa, unless we want to kill her. <laughs> <laughs> or potentially gag her, that sort of things, if your throat uh, swells over. Yeah, I think you it's, can't more, talk. it's more of a histamine thing, I think, isn't it? Because I get like the, the racing yeah. heart, just that heat rush and the, yeah. God, it's petrifying. But anyway. <laughs> but we'll pop again, we'll pop the, um, the links to the blog posts in there. Did we skip over that? Yeah. Oh. Why would you want to do that? Well, yeah, we had a question too about foods to help 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 with healthy hormones. And we have done some podcasts too on hormones. Mm. We've done quite a lot. We've done some on the OCP. Um, we actually, I thought, did a blog post, a blog post, a podcast on literally yeah. on hormones. But maybe we didn't cover over, maybe we didn't cover foods a lot. Yeah, yeah. And I guess that ties in nicely to what we're just talking about with soy. I yeah. mean, I often Honestly, I use soy a lot in uh, clients' diets, depending on what's going on mm. there, particularly, you know, with maybe menopausal women. Um, but again, if we're doing Dutch testing and I'm seeing different things going on there, like soy in the diet can be a fantastic modulator to yeah. really play around with yep. uh, having some influence on the diet. So on the diet, on the estrogen through the diet. Yeah. Mm. And then obviously looking at estrogen clearance. So mm-hmm. again, um, so with... The thing is with hormones is there's it's so much about over, like overall health as well. Like if you want healthy hormones, so obviously you want to be eating like a really nice diverse diet, really rich in you know antioxidants. And mm-hmm. but one of the most important things is obviously um, good fats. Mm-hmm. Like in, in making sure you're not on this really fat restricted diet because fat hormones are basically made of fat. Yeah. So we need those. Um, vitamin D rich foods and we're mm-hmm. making sure a you've got enough vitamin D mm-hmm. full stop so vitamin D is super important for healthy hormones mm-hmm. um, clearance of healthy hormones through the liver is all your cruciferous veggies so yeah. anything that supports like you know um, just what Jess was talking about before with um, you know your clearance of your estrogen down that bad bad, bad probably less favorable pathway mm-hmm. so where estrogen becomes like a four hydroxy estrogen that's quite a, a toxic form of estrogen if we want to push it down that two hydroxy pathway we really mm-hmm. want to be having lots of um cruciferous vegetables because they contain a compound which i is a really long word and i'm not even gonna die and all methyl something or other <laughs> 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 nearly nailed it um and we just and that they will actually again that compound will help push them down mm. there and lignans the good old flaxseed meal yeah. that's wonderful like you can use that quite medicinally and mm. get people on a couple of well, it depends again, but, you know, one to two to sometimes three tablespoons of the stuff a day and mm. have some really significant effects. I'm pretty like, sure M was talking about loving that as yeah, well. Yeah, flaxseed's like a really underappreciated little yeah. seed, isn't it? Yeah. Like, it's even really in, powerful. So powerful. Like, and it's, yeah. like its fat ratio is really good. It's yeah. so high in fibre. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. Power to the flax. And we've talked about it too in other podcasts, but I would even throw 
we always say back to macros, but carbohydrates in there, like more so from the fact people have a super low carb diet, mm. we'll see the influence coming through onto hormones. And we've Absolutely. talked about that. If you go and listen to even the, I think the um, ketogenic mm. um, podcast, we talk a lot about that, how the, the low, very, very low carb uh, intake can have a detrimental effect for a lot of more so women on their hormone production. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Cause obviously, you know, getting back to fats, like we need healthy amount of fat in our mm. body, like just and, and healthy amount of fat distribution for mm-hmm. women as well. So if we're getting down below a certain, you know, um, BMI or a certain mm. body fat percentage, then our hormones really start to struggle. And mm. that does happen when there's a, yeah, there's not enough carbs in the diet mm. to maintain a healthy weight. Yeah, definitely. I also think too, though, because when you're eating enough carbohydrate, there's a certain amount there on a daily basis to help with your energy production, right? Mm. Like it's your preferential fuel. So mm. if you take that away, <laughs> your next preferential fuel it's is fats or fatty acids. So you could look at a, a high fat diet or a keto diet and just be like, oh, but I'm having all this fat. fat. So how can like that be detrimental to my hormones? Like you're telling me that fats are really important, but I eat heaps of fats. But you're but using fat as fuel. Exactly. Mm, so you're so stealing from yourself. You're, you're robbing yourself. You're robbing your bloody hormones. <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> you're using them to produce energy. You don't yeah. have as much building blocks left mm. to make your hormones. So that's another way that I like to look at yeah, it. That's very true. Mm. Very well put. Very Thanks. well put. Okay. <laughs> so we have a question, nutrition for chronic disease prevention. Oh, this Holy is... Lord. That's <laughs> we... a huge question. <laughs> I know. I think whoever I wrote that to, I'm like, that is every... I actually think that is a podcast on its own. Mm, it is. Yeah. Maybe uh, we'll just... Should we shelf that and actually do nutrition? Yeah, whoever sent that through, that's a great question. But Mm -hmm. I think we might actually look at delving into that further because it it just encompasses so much. So we we promise, cross our hearts, that we'll delve into that. I'm actually just putting a mark next to it. I'm boxing it. Oh, it's getting a box. (laughs) It's a box. Podcast topic. Done. So, speaking of podcast topics, we got a lot of questions from from you guys on intermittent fasting um, and different types of diets. I think there was some, I think I'm sure I got one about Michael Mosley. Michael Mosley's got a new one, apparently. Yes, yep, yep. Someone asked me about that the other day. Yeah, I think I got hit up with that one too. It's not the five and two. What's the eight? Is it 800? Yeah, the 800. No, 600. I think 600 is the number that comes to mind. Yeah. I haven't actually looked into the diet yet, though. But the thing with this is that, again, massive topic, but we have done a whole podcast on this. So episode 21 on intermittent fasting. Go and listen there, guys. If you got every all the questions that were sent through, mm. they are all going to be answered in this podcast. So there's no point in us rehashing that, particularly people who listen regularly, because I'll be like, shut up, you've already said it. Yeah, yeah, that is true. That is true. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I love this one. Yeah. Yeah. Just in general, because I know we talk a lot. So the question is foods to eat to encourage a healthy microbiome. Because I know we talk about the microbiome a lot and Mm. we talk about bacteria a lot. But just in general, like just foods that will nourish our microbiome. Mm. It's exciting. Where do we start? Well, let's let's start with with the, what were you going to say? Prebiotics. Uh, Yeah. Was that what you were going to say? I was going to say the the FOSS foods too. FOSS foods. Yeah, but I guess as a collective, yeah, 
prebiotic foods is the way you mm. want to go, right? Mm. Like, which then can branch out into different types of prebiotic foods. Yeah. So prebiotic is essentially something that we are consuming and it's going into our gut and it's a fuel for mm. our bacteria. Yeah. Which is really cool. And there's mm. all different aspects of prebiotics. And yeah. we love nerding out on prebiotics and the different types available because um, it they break down into different types of substrates and then different types feed different Bacterial bacteria. Families. So we love that with our um, different tests that we do. If we see low species of yeah. or certain families that are low, we can choose particular types of prebiotics, whether it be supplemental or through food. So, yeah. I'll, I'll start with like, um, I'll do like the more grainy based ones yep. if you want. So, yep. um, obviously the ones that kind of act as resistant starch a bit mm-hmm. too. So we've got, well, grain, potatoes obviously aren't a grain, but I'll say them anyway. <laughs> <laughs> For anyone, you know, that's not a grain, idiot. But obviously we've got our cook, cooked and cooled potatoes and grains that act as resistant starches mm-hmm. in the gut so these are amazing so mm-hmm. they pass through the small intestine mostly undigested and hit the large bowel and they are just like fuel for certain strains of bacteria mm-hmm. so cooked and cooled potatoes white potatoes and sweet potatoes are one yeah. um cooked and cooled rice mm-hmm. so they're kind of the main ones that people think of and green banana starch mm-hmm. i think are the most three big resistant mm. starch sort of things that are thrown around yep. as sort of prebiotic foods. However, there's a couple of other little guys that people forget about. Um, yeah. Oats are a great yeah. form of um, yeah. prebiotic resist- and resistant starch, or same thing, I guess. Um, and buckwheat mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, what other grains are there? There's a couple more. I'm well, trying to think of the top of my head. I feel like they're sort of the, they're the, main, the ones. main ones. Yeah. But I think they've all got roles yeah. to play, but uh, – for- yeah, I consider yeah. those the main guys. The main I was reading an article the other day and they listed them all and I was, there was a couple there. I was like, oh, that's so good to remember as well. Yeah. And obviously, clearly I remember that. <laughs> so, but anyway, yeah, so they're, yeah, they're kind of the main, like the grain, the grainy ones. Yeah. I love that oats are, like rice yeah. I love, but I just love that I love oats. Yeah, just, yeah. I'm a bit of an oat freak. There's different types too, which is cool. Like if you nerd out on it, all the, mm-hmm. like different, like type one, type two and type three resistant starch. Mm-hmm. And I love when you get into the nuts and bolts of that because there's certain types whether it's say a type three and it feeds these particular mm. strains more and yeah anyway i won't go into that too much because that's <laughs> like Shut up. but then there's I yeah like to hear it. <laughs> the fossil of the fructoligosaccharides i always think of so your garlics and your onions and your leeks Leaks. and your artichokes and your asparagus like mm. that whole group of foods and they're really all of these foods we're talking about are the ones that if you have gut issues you're probably like oh my god i can't touch any, any of those. them particularly the ones that I've probably just mentioned. So they're big guns. Um, And they are the types of foods that people will classically say make them a little bit more windy, but that's because they're, surprise, surprise, providing uh, fuel for the bacteria. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you eat a lot of those... We did a massive big roast this week and there was like roast onion and garlic and leek in there. (laughs) Damien's being like, (laughs) do you sometimes eat your meal? Like sometimes I will eat a meal and obviously because of what we deal with, I'm like, this would be a FODMAP as worst nightmare. Like for some of my clients that are obviously, you know, going through their gut journey and they can't have any of these, you know, really high FODMAP foods. Yeah. Oh man, sometimes and because I'm such an onion freak and garlic, like if a recipe says add two cloves of garlic for me, that means six. Like, <laughs> yeah. I just have put on my my block of glasses and it's bloody six cloves. <laughs> so and I just think sometimes my food is that loaded up with like yeah. lost foods. I'm like, this would be the worst nightmare for some people. <laughs> 
And your legumes, of course, are another huge area as far as prebiotics go. That's the one I think I was trying to think of. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we, again, we we use legumes um, as much as possible in the clinic. Like it's something that we'll use at certain parts of um, a gut protocol as we're reintroducing and working with certain amounts and prepared in certain ways. But yeah, it's it's one of those really exciting Mm. win signs when you take someone that can't tolerate legumes to down the track and you start to be able to mm. introduce them and they're like, oh, my God, I can have hummus again and I can have mm. this and that. So, yeah, legumes are a massive area. Um, and then your polyphenol-rich foods mm. as well, which is a whole other category. Um, but I think of, like, oh God, like your green tea and different types of – which we're both drinking. We're drinking as, as we always. <laughs> um, your different types of berries that are in there as well, um, the red foods. Pomegranate. The, yeah, pomegranate. So or a lot of those astringent type, I think, to um, fruits. So mm. I always think of as your polyphenols or just astringent. I think of green tea as astringent mm. too. I always mm. associate that with polyphenols. Matcha. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I think if you've got a diet that's abundant in a lot of the foods we've just talked about um you're in a really good space for feeding your microbiome quite diversely but it doesn't work if you just only eat say i don't know like leeks but you don't eat any of the other things yeah or you just eat sweet potato and then don't eat any of the other resistant starches yeah Yeah, like it is like it's so the the thing is is that these foods do break down to different compounds and Mm. that does feed different so it's the key to a healthy gut microbiome just in terms from a prebiotic point of view is diversity like diversity of food for me equals diversity Mm. of species and that equals a robust and that equals a robust gut we don't want a gut that it's like you know microbial diversity has just become so shrunken because we're Mm. eating these limited diets and living on limited foods or yeah so things like that um looking after your gut lining would probably be another part Mm. in terms of like you know trying to encourage a healthy microbiome so we've got all the foods that feed up our gut environment and produce this really nice healthy robust um you know microbial diversity and that you know in turn you know has a positive effect on your um, immune system your butyrate and your short chain fatty acids Mm -hmm. um healthy hormone production neurotransmitter production but underlying all of that we have basically our microbiome lining so we want to look after that as well so Mm -hmm. obviously um protein is super important Mm -hmm. for that um and and, or amino acids um Mm -hmm. that's it that's a big one so obviously like your collagens Mm. and your bone broths and Mm. anything that has all those beautiful healing nutrients Mm. in them so there's like there's a lot of I know everyone's just like, oh, bone broth, I'm over it. But it's kind of like it does amazing things for your yeah. gut. Um, and it doesn't have to be like just the nowadays thing, yeah. thoughts around bone broth, you know, whether it's a, cons- a concentrate you buy or making up yeah. a bone broth at home. Like We can just be more old school stews and ozubuku or um, yeah. lamb shanks, you know. Oxtails. Yeah. <laughs> I think we kind of forget that those dishes yeah. are essentially – bone broth like we've got these beautiful bones with all of this uh, collagen and so forth already stuffed into the inside of the bones it leaches Mm. out and creates this beautiful jelly like substance and you don't have to go out and spend I I was just thinking but I'll tell you you don't have to go out and spend $50 on a jar of bone bone broth concentrate to get the benefits of this is what Jess is saying as well like I think A yes it's become so trendy at the moment which is awesome because it's actually highlighting how much this stuff can do for our gut but yeah it doesn't have to be you know yeah $50 
concentrate. Mm. Like those things are great. Don't get me wrong, but just mm. whack a stew on and chuck some bones in it. Like yeah. when we were growing up, because we we're pretty poor, like mum used to make this thing. It was called Irish stew. Mm. It was literally like the off cuts of lamb. Like mm. so, just I swear it's probably just more like mutton chops. Like yeah. you know that parsnip onion mm -hmm. um water and mm -hmm. i think a bit of st and stock like yeah. just and that's literally and it would just boil on the stove for yeah. hours and it would just you know you get all the meat and it would just all infuse wow. but it was just like i just remember and it would come out and she would just serve it with mashed potato oh, but it was just yeah. like this lamby parsnipy jelly mess of bones and just like you break all the meat off the bones and stuff and that but it probably cost all three bucks because <laughs> let's face it lamb was cheap back then and no one even gave a shit what parsnips were <laughs> <laughs> Having times changed. <laughs> no parsnip wedges back there. <laughs> Poor parsnips. <laughs> They're getting a bit, a bit of attention now, thank God. Um, but yeah, so it's just like it doesn't have to be this fancy, yeah. fancy, fancy stuff. It's just, you know, good old fashioned stewing. And, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So great for your gut microbiome. Oh, yeah, it's a cool question. Um, well, should we keep on going? What, what do you reckon? We got? We're gonna do, we could do We've one got more. one more. I think, guys, unfortunately, we will have to break this into two. Mm -hmm. That's all right. That's all right, because that means you can throw more questions at us. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> just as I just like, we're like, what, Chris? Shut up. <laughs> so we've got a couple that are starting to go into the pregnancy realm. So we've got one from a lady asking how a mother can recover from adrenal fatigue and hormonal imbalances after kids. And she did note that their, her kids are aged two to four. Mm. Um, they need a lot of attention. <laughs> I was going to say something really uncouth, but I won't. <laughs> Without removing the problem. <laughs> you can't. Which cause this problem. This is a big this question. This is a huge question. I feel like we did do a podcast with Shannon from Mums and Bubs, which would be um, definitely, I think, useful to go back and, and listen, listen to. to like she talked a lot about um i think expectations yeah. around not only pregnancy itself but after having kids and mm. i think a lot of pressures that you can put onto yourself yeah like um, i if, if there's adrenal fatigue yeah. involved with this and hormone imbalances i would like obviously you have to look after your children but i would <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a given despite what jess says i didn't say anything <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't be having any more kids at the moment. No. That would be the first one. I think really just prioritizing yourself a hundred percent and really having a look at a nutritional status, mm. definitely um, food, gut health, what your hormone imbalances are, what your key nutrient mm. deficiencies are. So getting a really good practitioner to help mm. guide you through this and basically do the work for you. Because if you yeah. are at adrenal fatigue and you've got two kids under the age of four, yep. holy dooly, you have some work on yep. your hands. And, like, it's, and it's a hard question too because you say – adrenal fatigue and hormone imbalances were, were these things there prior yeah. or is this a post situation it sort of sounds like it's post but um yeah we would want to delve into what was going on prior mm. to that would uh, set you up to be in such a fatigue state as yep. far as yeah all the things that carissa just mentioned so yep. realistically in regards to recovering from something like that you need to work with a practitioner 100%. to break it down look at all of the right types of testing because it's it's multifaceted this type of fatigue could be driven by all sorts of areas mm. um and the same with the hormones so absolutely you know you mentioned self-prioritization i would be cutting my social calendar like yep. just like focus on you and looking after your yep. family and prioritizing sorting your own health yep. out like 
your friends and family and all of that are just going to have to understand that yeah. at the moment you've got nothing to give to them. Yeah. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> um, I would just be culling my social calendar, culling, you know, yeah. having a big look at my environment and getting, yeah. you know, around me, getting rid of any ex- stress that doesn't need to be yeah. there. Mm. Um, and then getting a really good pracky to actually manage this for you. Yeah. So you can literally just do what you're told. I know yeah. that sounds horrible, but to look after your own yeah. health. Because in when you're in that headspace, it's so overwhelming. Yeah. And you've got two kids, which are two young kids are such a demand mm. on, on anyone, let alone mm. someone who's genuinely that fatigued. Mm. So I would just be giving, find yourself an awesome practitioner yeah. and just get, put the ball in their court and let so them true. tell you what you need to do to build yeah. yourself back up and cull everything stressful out of your life that you possibly yeah. can. Yeah. Cause apart, that's... apart from your kids. <laughs> <laughs> Cause that's the first step, like in regards to just prioritizing yourself. I always mm. say that to clients mm. that come along, particularly mums, it's just the decision that you make to come and sit in the chair in this clinical virtually through the computer, whatever it yeah, might be. Yeah. Like that's the first choice that you make in going, no, I need to spend some time on myself, a bit of money on myself. Like yeah. this needs to change. And all, yeah. also remembering that it's about it's about you, but it's also about your family and your kids. Because if you feel so bad and you don't have energy, you then can't give all that you want to give to your family and to your children. So yeah. I just think that's a really important part to, in all of this and finding someone, as you said, that you can work with and it's going to guide you through this and hold your hand and help you get mm. through all of these different stages is yeah. just imperative. Just, yeah, trying to do it on your own, yeah. you're, just, you're going to do your head in. Absolutely. Mm. And in, you know, one year and three years, they'll be in school. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so that gives you even a little bit more time. So to yeah. just, yeah, just have a to do have a bit of downtime. I know that that's it's not a heap of downtime because you'll just be running around doing other things, being a mum. But yeah, yeah, it's yeah, that's an epic one in terms of just yeah. really having to self prioritize. Yeah, but yeah, definitely I'll link in that other podcast episode because that's worth listening to because Shannon's got a lot of good advice. She good advice. She's a mum as well um, with two kids. I think similar ages. I think yeah. a maybe slight, a little bit older. Um, and, and that's always nice to listen to someone else that's gone through similar yeah. um, with kids. Yep. Well, okay. I think we might wrap it up there because um, yeah, we're pretty much halfway. Halfway. And we have chatted enough for today and I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> and I have a meeting. <laughs> you have a meeting you have to get to. Um, so... <laughs> Everything we've talked about will be in the show notes. It's going to be epic show notes, yeah. but I'll get it done. I promise. No, just as just as I twitches. <laughs> but we will go into round two um, with these questions. Yeah. If you guys do have anything else that you want us to add to the list, um, just do, let us know. Just pop it on through. Um, but other than that, is there anything else that you wanted to say? I think we've covered I everything. Think we've off. covered it all. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise. Um, as per usual, any questions, let us know. Subscribe, love us, leave us five-star ratings. All of the all, above. All of the above. Yep. <laughs> Have a good weekend. See you later. Bye-bye.